0: Welcome to Beyond the Game, Wealth Mastery for Athletes. I'm your host, Chris Benson, joined by nine-year NFL vet, Alec Ogletree. Beyond the Game is a podcast where we will provide a playbook for financial growth, both on and off the field. Join us each week as we have an in-depth conversation with other professional athletes who've mastered the art of wealth creation. They're going to share their triumphs, setbacks, and maybe some lessons learned so you don't make the same mistakes. Join us. We think you're going to enjoy it. All right, guys, today we have with us Anthony Tolliver. Anthony, pleasure. Thank you so much for spending some time with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: Hey, hey, hey. Yes, sir. Appreciate you coming on, Anthony. Um, I guess we'll kind of go ahead and just kick it off. You know, what, what we was talking about a little bit before the show was that you, you mentioned it, you know, the expectation versus like you know, having that actual like hardcore facts over like being like, okay, this guy, like what is his name? Otani? That's how yeah. you say his name? I think so, yeah. They uh just pay him seven hundred million dollars. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right, like The Dodgers are all in on this guy. And the expectation is to me and the Dodgers are like he's gonna bring us a, a world championship at the end of the day. Yep. And you know, but does that happen? You never know. You gotta. Does it, <laughs> we'll see. You gotta go out there and play, right? Yeah. So we we kind of talked about that a little bit about you know the expectations. So just kind of tell me, tell me what was your thoughts on your career, like when you, how you grew up, where you came from, you know, kind of the expectation, what it was like for you. Gotcha.
1: Really quick, I gotta point out one thing. Him and Mookie Betts, their their payroll, just them yeah. two. Is more than the entire Miami Marlins team. (laughs)
2: Two
1: players. Two players. That's – man, I would love to be one of them two. I love you. talking about expectations. That point, bro, I mean, hey, I'd love to be on that side of things, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'd rather have expectations and have it be hard on that side than on the other side of paycheck to paycheck trying to grind, right? But, I mean, the paycheck to paycheck trying to grind is really the story of my career. Mm-hmm. um and uh, you know just going back to high school college and, and playing professionally i always say this and people never really believe me I, I, they always ask me more questions like how what i was never the best player on my team growing up mm-hmm. like middle school high school which probably tells you a little bit about my middle school and high school right they're pretty good players Kickapoo, um, Kickapoo um, high school in right? missouri Yes, right Kickapoo high school
2: I um, Spr- say Springfield Springfield, Missouri. yeah. I yep. lived in uh, I lived in St Charles yeah. I lived out there in St Charles Missouri mm-hmm. yeah yeah familiar with St Charles yeah yep. so
1: yeah um, but Kick-A-Boo, um, we had a really good high school team senior year went thirty uh, and 12th in the country like so I've always played for played with really good teams and really good players mm-hmm. um, getting to college, same thing, uh, really good team tournament a couple times but you know did kinda. you know anthony did you know
0: growing up like this was the path
1: basketball, basketball was the
0: play yeah or were you playing oh, all, yeah. other yeah. sports since football? i was five
1: i was like yeah, i played other sports but it was to develop for basketball so football i played football so that i could get tougher so i could play physical for basketball um uh ran tracks so i get faster for basketball um you know I, I, basically everything i did was was geared around how do i improve my, my skills on the court um because mm. it was all i was all in from 5 years old i was sacrificing time playing video games and doing other things other people wanted to do i was already putting in the work you know and i got to i'm going to mm. get my shots up no i will meet you over there but i'm i'm going to shoot for 20 30 minutes first right so just kind of mm. like those daily consistent um just just staying with it. Like just believing that the process was going to work out that the, 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 the daily, um, you know, it, daily deposit.
2: Chris, the, the 10,000 hour rule.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. It was, time in. The daily, it was the daily and it was never about, Hey, I'm about to go shoot for three hours, four hours. Yeah. It was, Hey, I'm, I need to get my daily 20 in like yeah. the daily yeah. 20. It's a daily yeah. 20 minutes. Like, you know, it was all about that. Like I get my daily 20. Now I could go shoot for longer. I could go play basketball or hang out and jack around, but 20 minutes of focused time and preparation. Was yeah. I love my that motto, idea. Of 15, every, yeah.
0: a, every week though, that's 140 minutes of shooting that somebody else didn't do.
1: And it's stats. Right. Right? Focused, focused. I'm talking. On like things. You're like, Hey, you are dialed you are, in dialed in. Like, and it's not too much to ask whenever you're younger. Now, when I got older, of course, that increased, right? But um, that 20 minutes become became, what I, What am I doing extra? Like when I was in the pros, it was a 20 minutes post-practice, locked mm-hmm. in, focused on whatever I need to focus on. But it was it. Then I'm out, right? Because yep. if you start doing two, three hours, all of a sudden you're going to be worn out. You're going to be getting injuries, all that. 20 minutes, right? And so just from, from middle school, high school, college, it was always about that. And, but my expectations were actually pretty low. Nobody thought I was going to make it right. We we have a
0: question, Anthony. We have a question. Where'd that come from? So where did the the mindset of, I'm just going to stack, I'm going to stack minutes, right? And this could be applied to almost anything in your life. It doesn't just have to be athletics, but was that a, a mentor, a coach, or was that just ingrained in you part of your DNA? Uh,
1: I wish I could say it was, hey, I I learned it from OG, you know, told me when I was young, uh, that you just stack these, you know, minutes together, all of a sudden, it's going to be something that uh, compounds and everything else. But it was just a concept that, you know, from a pretty young age, I've always kind of been a little bit why is it beyond my years uh, when I was growing up? I was always thinking ahead and always thinking about the future and always thinking about what I wanted to accomplish. But, you know, I was always thinking every day, what am I doing to get, what am I doing every single day to get closer to my dreams? That was like a, a mindset I can develop from a very young age. And, mm. and, you know, I was still, I still had fun. I still was a kid, still built forts and, you know, did all the stuff. Did everybody like, rode bikes around town? Yeah. I was always focused on getting my time and my work in every day. Just at some point, early, late, middle of the day, it didn't matter. Just, didn't matter. Point, it, just towards that one, I had one single goal, make it to the NBA. And it was just like, hey, what am I doing every single day to get there? So that's where, mm-hmm. I mean, didn't come from any person. Just was something that I, I developed the mindset very early that that was going to be what was going to separate me.
2: So you was, you was speaking on, you know, the expectation part. Um, I guess I want you to finish what you were going to say.
1: Yeah. So on the expectations that, I don't know, some people shy away from expectations because it puts pressure on them. Um, and I can understand that. I, I, I've seen it. I've seen it. seen people crushed by expectations and I'm sure you guys have too, Mm -hmm. Uh, not just in sports, but in life. Uh, you know, father passes down a company to a son, the expectation is, yeah, you're gonna be as good or better than your dad. It's like, well shoot, same thing happens in sports. Um, you know, maybe it's not lineage, maybe it's just expectation because of what they you know, one sports writer wrote one time. Mm-hmm. King James, right? Like, oh, he's the next one. He's a chosen one. Well, I mean, he met them expectations. He beat them expectations. But we've seen Kwame Brown, right? Like mm-hmm. like he had a Solid NBA career. People like dog him, but he was solid. He wasn't what they thought he was supposed to be, but he was. Bill, you solid. made it, right? He you was, made it. It ain't easy to make it. <laughs> ten plus years, it's not, it's, ten plus years in the NBA as a solid player, bro. Like he wasn't a superstar, so he didn't meet expectations. But yeah. it doesn't mean you can't be solid. Like he can't. Like he, he he's a success story. Put it yeah. that. Um, but you know, these expectations can really, you know, really mess people up. For me, I didn't have any. So I, I was able to play free. Everybody mm-hmm. expected me to maybe oh yeah, maybe he'll play college basketball. Maybe uh oh, he might he might play overseas or something like that, but you yeah. know no real expectations to make it to the NBA. I yeah. think I was probably the only person on the planet that thought I was gonna play in the NBA. Um in then, you know, things happened, got opportunity, got in there. And guess what? When I got in there, people like, oh, that's dope. He made it. But like, you know, he's probably not going to play. Like, yeah, he, yeah. you know, he's probably just going to get in there, maybe collect a check for a year or two, and he's probably going to play overseas. Yeah. So the expectations really weren't ever there. And every single year, it was a fight to just get on the court. And So um, I was always the underdog. Um, so I was the opposite of – you know, with these big contracts. I was always Mm -hmm. fighting to get something, to get a minute on the court, always fighting. And so that was kind of the, you know, the identity of my career was, Mm -hmm. was this like, man, like no expectations. So shoot, I I played free. I've always played free. And it it really worked to my advantage.
2: Like, and I think too, like, like I kind of look at it like kind of two different types of expectation. Like there's an expectation of, whatever other people have a have of you or have of us or whatever but then there's an expectation like for me it's like when i do stuff like when i was out there playing like i expected to make that play or make that tackle or whatever that's just why i thought of myself like yep. and i'm sure you as the same like that's why you kept it you like man no like i'm going my 20 minutes i'm getting there i'm going i expect to make these shots these amount of shots or whatever in this if I get out here on the court and I get I expect to play, like I yep. walk into it, like if I'm here, I'm expecting to be out there and contribute and just because of myself, not necessarily yep. what what Over. other people might think of it. You yep. know, yes, you we all hear, you hear the the noise in the sense, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. The thing I, I think with expectation from the outside
0: looking in, right, is it's it's a privilege in some cases, because if, if people have expectation of you, like I, I talk about this with my kids is like, yes, as a dad, I love you, but I do have expectations. And and it's sure. a privilege to have expectations, because otherwise, people don't think you got anything, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, you, you're, you're a bag of, well, I won't use the word, but you know, yeah. you have no opportunity, or people don't believe you have opportunity. And you can use that as motivation, too. But I always looked at it and obviously never playing at the level that you guys did. But when people put expectation on me, that was always a motivation of, well, he thinks I can do it. So I think I can do it. You know, like Alec, you had it internal. I, th- I think there's always that balance between what you have inside
1: and then other oh, people sure. and how you use that as fuel. Yeah. Most uh, definitely. I mean, personal expectations, thats that's the beauty of it all, right? The whole journey. I had higher expectations of myself than anybody else had, right? So yeah. that's the reason why I was able to perform. It wasn't because of expectations of others. Like I told you, I didn't really have expectations of others. Yeah. It did not expect anything. Like it, yeah. it didn't expect me to make it. So, yeah. but I expected to make it and I expected to play. I expected yeah. to last 10 plus years. So my expectations, right. are what set my, uh, you know, my journey like that, yeah. my future, my, my um, path, was set by my expectations you yeah. know I, I allowed other people's expectations to set my path you know what would happen? I might have played D- d1 basketball and then I would have got a job and and been an outstanding citizen right <laughs> 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 like, that would have been my life and, that, and that's there's nothing wrong with that yeah. there's nothing wrong with that but at the end of the day that wasn't my expectation uh, I expected uh, <laughs> to do what I needed to do. To play professional basketball in the nba for a very long time and i did that so i exceeded my own expectations of myself yeah, so. right and so when people you know now you know you know the internet right internet's crazy you got trolls you got people like oh yeah you you know blah blah, blah. you were trash when you played this at the third like they talk crap to me now them you know retired
2: I was like, dude, I ain't even playing. over? like, what are you talking I like, about? I, like, I don't even I was, care either. like, during, I, when
1: I played, there's all those trolls. And then you're, when you're not playing, there's always, there's always trolls, right? Like, yeah. so I'm like, like, it doesn't matter your opinion. Like, your opinion really matters, like, zero, right? <laughs> like, because it's, you, you weren't making the decisions on mm-hmm. cutting checks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so exactly. If you were, then your opinion would have mattered, which then, would have affected my pocketbooks and my family's pocketbooks right so but since you're not the gm that signed me to my contracts then it's like i mean your opinion's great it, it, that's your opinion i don't really care that you don't think i'm very good other people their
2: opinions are like you know asshole everybody got right. going
1: exactly. <laughs> And they all stick. <laughs> they all stick. We're going
0: to have that as your social media quote, Anthony. That's going to be your social media lead for this episode.
1: I think, so, Anthony, <laughs> most maybe most so most.
0: as we shift to, look, your career was wild, right? You, you played for 11 different franchises, which I don't know if you know, but ties you for the sixth all-time in the NBA, as far as how many franchises yeah. you played for, um, which is the the thing that I always think about with guys who have a career like that is you had a lot of people telling you, no, you know, like, hey, you're not good enough. We don't want you this year and you got to go find work elsewhere. Mindset yep. wise, you, you talked about the expectation of it, but how did that affect you? Because you got to be pretty mentally strong to hear no 10 times in a row and still say, yeah, but I'm good enough. You know, I can I can continue to play.
1: Yeah, well, that's one perspective. Um, another perspective is I heard eleven yeses. Hmm. Yeah, and fair. So, and four teams and four teams said yes twice. That's maybe one of the biggest compliments you can have. Is you mm-hmm. you're, at, you're on a team. Maybe something doesn't work out for them to sign you the following year. They they bring you right back a couple of years later. That's that to me. That speaks more of reality than just hey you know we're doing some shifting around and and you know we don't have space or we we don't have the money and sometimes it wasn't even about space it was about money right like Mm -hmm. sometimes the team didn't have enough money to pay me because I played well so now I got to go somewhere else because they have the money right and so to me it was like it wasn't always hey or I guess I heard you weren't you know hey we're cutting you or whatever I heard that plenty of times in my career but you know, out of those 11 teams or whatever it may be, it wasn't always the case where it was, Hey, mm-hmm. we just don't have space for you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes It was just circumstance. But mm-hmm. the fact that these teams brought me back multiple times, four of them, uh, just kind of told me, Hey, it wasn't about them not wanting me. Just it just didn't fit at that moment. Um, as soon as they had a the chance to bring me back, it did. Yeah. And so um, so I, it's all perspective on that, in my, in my opinion on, on that, because, you look at it from the negative you can make anything negative man like i mean there's this that's how i look at life you can make so many things negative but um you choose to look at the positive and find the positive and at least i do like i got yeah. the positive and everything and um that's how i viewed it and that's how i was able to hear you know hey you know hey we don't have enough space for you this year or whatever you know but on the other end of that was this team saying oh man we love to have you that's what i focused on yeah, you know, not not the not the hey this doesn't work out.
2: No, uh, you have Did, to. That's that's yeah. so true. I mean it's anybody that plays sports or whatever. I mean, obviously I think in the workforce, I guess in the regular world it doesn't typically work like that. Usually, you know, Chris, they may be like, Oh, you're not you're not performing well. Yes, we, we're gonna fire you in a sense. But like Anthony just said, sometimes it just be like Oh nah, man, we we just can't afford to pay you right now. <laughs> like over here, okay, go over here, make some money. Not that you're not good enough or whatever. Yep. So I, I totally understand that. Um, well, just really but, quick on that, like
1: I know, ne- I if you if you allow other people, other people's opinion to define your worth, mm-hmm. yeah, then you're always going to be struggling. You're gonna, yeah. you're not gonna be like mentally. You you can't play professional basketball. You can't play professional football. You can't play professional sports, and you really can't perform at a high level in corporate America if other people's opinions define your confidence, mm-hmm. right? Like so, when some, somebody said, "Oh, you know, we're gonna cut you," I'm like, "Bitch, you're lost, bro." <laughs> I'm nice. I'm a beast. Like, oh, next time, when I see you next time, I'm <laughs> hey coming after you. you know I'm about to give it to you. I'm, whoever you line up in front of me, <laughs> right? Like that's how. But that's you have to have an un-rational, irrational, irrational e- hmm. expectation and confidence in yourself.
2: Exactly.
1: to be a high level leader. You can't be a CEO being like, oh man, I hope that. Everybody yep. liked me, and you know, and oh man, my confidence—I don't know. Like, heck, who? What type of CEO do you've ever seen be like that? Like, ah, I don't know about my. Ain't myself. a CEO. like, <laughs> like, ah, like this they is what not the CEO. I am. I am really good at my job. I am really good at my job, and you—you you feel that, like, yeah. And so when people said you're cut, i was just like, bet. I'm going somewhere else. So I'm about to kill
2: y'all. <laughs> don't get this. Go get this work. Right. So I had a question too, about, I guess, how does an NBA contract necessarily work? So like most of us are under the impression that all NBA contracts are guaranteed. I don't know if that's true or not true. Um, if it's something that you could speak on, love yeah. to hear about it.
1: Um, um, So not all guaranteed, not, not every contract's guaranteed. Um, okay. I would say a vast majority are, um, uh-huh. vast majority are. And then what I think what's tricky is what gets reported a lot of times is not necessarily accurate, not necessarily on the number. Cause a lot of times the number is pretty accurate,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but the, um, uh, the terms, Terms mm-hmm. of contracts do not get disclosed uh, very mm-hmm. often in, in the NBA. So when you see somebody sign, oh man, they signed three years, thirty-five million. Wow, like out here, you know, sign a nice contract. The first year might be fully guaranteed. The second year might be half guaranteed, and the third year might be non-guaranteed, mm-hmm. right? And then there's expert. Then there's 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 dates in which, oh, okay, for the second year, if you make it to such and such date, it becomes yeah. fully guaranteed. Then the third year is, is a team option. So the team option is comes with another date. That, that date, you have to make it to that date to get yeah. that third year, right? Yeah. So that's not every contract, right? Um, but I would say way more contracts than people think are set up in like with those types of structures. Um, mm. Just because you see a number and you see an amount of years does not mean that, that person's necessarily getting all that money in all those years. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, every contract is, is negotiable. Negotiable. You make All it happen. Terms. Now, Kobe Kobe was like, hey, I want, um, out of my $30 million contract, I want $24 million up front on September 1st. Yeah. And they're like, bet. And so, he, yeah. I, you know, whatever. Like, he, <laughs> whatever you want. Like, that's what you want? All right, cool. Yeah. Like, the teams don't like doing that, and they're only going to do that for the guys who can negotiate that. You got Franchise negotiating players, power. So. You can, but yeah. Best players, they can kind of get whatever they want. Oh, I want that, and I want them front row seats too. Yeah, <laughs> like for my family. Bet you in there. Yeah, right? yeah. Like just kind of negotiate whatever you want. But, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, they're all individually
2: kind of negotiated, but at yeah. the same time, it's a uh, majority of them are are guaranteed though. Okay. Yeah, I mean that sound about like our, like our contracts too, like. They'd be like, if you're on the team at the start of this league year, you get this amount guaranteed, or you're on the team by this date, whatever. Like, I had incentives in mind where if we were like top five in defense, or you made, we made the playoffs, we did, we had, so we gave us so many points throughout this year, you know, I would get a bonus. But like, that was technically like, part of the guarantee, those are like, you know, little terms they put in there where, okay, if you accomplish this, yes, this money's guaranteed for you. But it's not really like as soon as you sign that dotted line, oh, this is all guaranteed. No. Yep. Yep. No, it's not more like that. And yep. I missed those bonuses too because they set us. So I'm still pissed oh, about yeah. that. Oh yeah.
1: That, that's, that's oh, so the that's about bonuses. My my agent specifically for my whole career would negotiate get to a number then they would be like oh yeah well we can get a higher number but we throw these bonuses in of let's say say you know a million dollars there's a million dollars we can do in bonuses like so do if he does this three point percentage of this that and the third blah 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 okay that's great well if y'all have the capability of paying five million instead of four million how about we do 4.5 million guaranteed no bonuses. And they're like, a lot of times they would be like, oh, okay. So that was always his strategy. is like, yeah, get yeah. the numbers as you can, negotiate, like start talking about bonuses and then basically seeing like what they're capable of paying, yep. right? And then just try to get as much guaranteed Close money as, to, yeah. as in bonuses, man, like they can be manipulated. Yeah. Um, you know, you can manipulate them too. Like I, I saw Mo, Mo Harkless <laughs> just probably a decade ago. He was... He had a bonus in his contract for about half a million dollars if he shot thirty six percent or higher from three for the year. He had to make a certain amount. He had to shoot a certain amount. But thirty six percent was his number. There was two or three games, no, five games left or something like that in the in the in the season. He was shooting thirty six point three. Right, he Stop missed playing. one. He no no he he missed the three right, and he, that bumped him down to thirty six point one. Tell me why he didn't shoot another three the rest of the year? I'm talking wide open three. Uh, uh, one trade. one dribble, uh, jump. Uh, no the line see. on purpose jumper. Like no more three. I'm not shooting another one. Uh-uh. Getting that half million. I'm
2: getting that. Man, I'm getting that. I need you know, that. What, what are you talking about? I need like, that.
1: You know, listen, like on the other side of the thing, like you said, like teams, if they know that you're close to your minutes joint or whatever, like. Ah, his words. Ah. let send him out. Let's put the young boy in. You know, yeah, yeah, four minutes. Yeah, right. Like, nah, that could be manipulated. So big time. Big time. When he was doing that. I was watching some of those <laughs> games. Like,
2: yes, get that bread. <laughs> like, I loved it.
1: I was like, that's <laughs> genius. Because I was like, bro, they do that to players all the time. All the
2: time. All the time.
1: In especially in football. So All the like, time, I seen,
2: I was watching some video or some. I think the other day, and I saw. I think it was it was Tom Brady and, and Rob Gronkowski. He was like, "Hey, dog, I need one more catch <laughs> to uh get this uh million dollars, for yep. this bonus or whatever to meet this bonus. Send it back out there. Oh, okay, getting the ball real quick. Yeah, uh, it'd be a real thing. Real." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Dude had those have no incentives in there. Yeah, and my like, like, nah, let's, not, "Let's not play
1: that game. Let's not play that
2: game. Let's just yeah.
1: let's just get as much guaranteed money as possible.
2: Yeah, um, and then move on. Like move on. Yeah, keep you your know. hands clean. You keep, right. it just, it's a clean, it's, it's way cleaner because, yep. like you said, it, you fall into those bonuses and they start playing. They start doing funny stuff and it's like, <laughs> dude." Yeah. Yep. All of a sudden now I'm at this bonus. I'm about to beat I'm about to hit this bonus. Now y'all want to start acting funny, doing all this. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. And, uh, it really happens for sure. Anthony, when <laughs> you when you were at Creighton,
0: so take us back there, right? You believed you had a shot at the NBA. Were you getting recruited? I mean, scouts and guys telling you were gonna be cause you came out undrafted, but did you have
1: a shot? Um a a late I had a late push to get drafted. Okay. Um, Going through my first three years, like uh, I wasn't on any draft boards or expect. There was no expectations of me getting drafted or playing in the NBA. Period. Right. Um, Senior year, play really well again. Uh, My junior year, I played well. My senior year, I played well again. Um, And but the thing that actually got me on the boards, college in college, I played the five. I played center. I was shooting jump mm-hmm. hooks, blocking shots and rebounding. That was my job. And but I knew in the league that wasn't gonna be my job. I was six eight. Like I'm not playing center at six eight. In today's NBA, you probably could be getting away with that. But back then it was like, nah I can't play center. Uh you got pal Gasol and Andrew Bynum and, you know, all these seven footers down there, mm-hmm. big three hundred pound seven footers. I'm like, there's no way. Right. So All my all my work went into shooting threes and, you know, going off the dribble and stuff like that. Well, you know, with 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 that, it was all right. Well, I'm at at Creighton. I am not creighton i do not have, you know, the ability to change my role. I got to finish my four years. I got to got to go do what I need to do for my team to win. And so I did that. Well, after after I was done, season was over, got knocked out in in the tournament. Um, I get invited to Portsmouth, which is in Virginia. Uh, It's like a senior, all seniors, uh, like pre-draft type of camp, but it's not for the high, it's not like the highest level players go there. Right. Like, it's like, Hey, it's another opportunity for some guys that maybe slip through the cracks. Right. Well, I wasn't even on round one of Portsmouth. I was on, I was like a, a backup. Like somebody, Mm -hmm. two or three guys that they wanted to come backed out and they called my coach and was like, hey, would Anthony Tolliver be willing to come? And he asked me, I was like, heck yeah. Like I need, I need, I need an opportunity. That's all I need. Like I know I got game. Like I just need people to see that I have game that, that it's not from college. Like I got game outside of this, this position, this role. Um, And so went to Portsmouth and. I shot the ball decent, like not great, but well enough to get people's attention. And then what I did that got people's attention, though, was I guarded uh, multiple positions. So, you know, I was guarding the fives down there because that's what I did for four years. And I was guarding fours, a little bit more mobile. And I was out there guarding threes, guys who were like, you know, really good, played Mm -hmm. in high level, big, you know, big 12 and big 10 type of schools. I was guarding them on the wing and staying in front of them and sliding my feet. And they were like, oh, okay. Got some versatility. Gotcha. Yeah. So so, so that turned into, okay, I got all tournament team at Portsmouth, which then got me invited to Orlando. So Orlando was the pre-draft. That was the one. Like that's where all the big name players go. and You know, Kevin Durant and all those guys are were there. And, you know, it's funny. People always, oh, man, the Kevin Durant really only – You Know, did he not get 185 really zero times? I remember that I can confirm because I was right behind him. I saw the 185 come up, you go hit, it gets stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, not even once. How many times, how
0: many times you do it, Tolliver? 22. 22 Alec, how many times did you do 225 at the, the combine? So I'm
2: like by that number 22. Was it like 22, 21, 22, 21, yeah. yeah.
1: So, You're I, I uh, I, uh, so, so, <laughs> anyways, going back to that, like, I went there and I, I just, I think I blew everybody away with, once again, expectations, right? Yeah. The expectations were low. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know, they didn't think, they didn't know how good of an athlete I was, whatever. I tested out to be the, uh, the 15th best athlete out of everybody. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, you know how, I mean, in, in NFL, that's way more important than NFL combined than even the NBA, but yep. it got people's attention because yep. I'm like, dang, like, cause it's a, it's a full scale of athleticism, right? Like it's, it's strength, it's conditioning, it's speed, it's quickness. It's all the things, right? Yep. That's the full athlete. And So the 15th best athlete and I led, like in our games, I led, uh, tied with one other guy, uh, I led, all the games and rebounding mm. so it was like then from there people were like oh hold up this kid from this small school yeah. right did that no one really knew about three months ago all of a sudden all 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 tournament team at portsmouth lead, leads orlando and rebounding and is the 15th best athlete you know test out the 15th best athlete Maybe we'll bring him in for a workout. So then I got 15 workouts from teams. I, I think I had 15 workouts in a span of 20 days pre-draft. Um so it was just back-to-back, flying from Cleveland over to Charlotte, Charlotte down to Atlanta, Atlanta over here, Detroit to here, like just
0: constantly and on Anthony, their planes. What, Go ahead. Like, just apologize for my own naivety, but like in an NBA workout, what's that look like? Is it you and coaches and then they have scouts or are there multiple guys
1: or how, how's, so, how are they set up? I didn't do any individual workouts. It was always against other guys, um, which to me is always better because you get a chance to see people in competitive, uh, spaces. The guys who avoid, uh, competition (laughs) are the guys who look really good in individual workouts, Mm -hmm. but aren't really competitors. Like my teammate, right. Great guy. Um, Um, Darko Milicic, right. Number two player in that draft with Melo and, and mm-hmm. LeBron in them, right? LeBron was the only one picked ahead of him. Why? His individual workouts, bro, he looks like a monster. <laughs> you know, I'm talking like seven foot, can yeah. pass, can dribble, can shoot, everything. Like everything that they saw, I saw it in person. Like I'm like, yeah. this dude is unbelievable. But as soon as that competition hit, man, it's it's different.
2: The whole right. different thing is real live action. It's t- completely different. Action. It's completely different. Yeah. That's how it is. I mean, you see, like, literally, you see guys all the time. They like so much talent, look real good, like in the in the gym with the shirts, just in just the yes. street clothes, basically, like that. Yep. And they get yep. out there and it's like, dude, what happened? What happened? Right. So- <laughs> So, you
1: know, <laughs> fast forward, man. You, you, you start competing. So I played, you know, against all these guys, against all these guys from bigger schools, you know, Glenn Big Baby Davis and mm-hmm. all these different guys that played these big schools. And, like, not I competed, not only competed, but I, like, in some cases, like, outplayed them. Yeah. And, and at that point, my very first workout was with the Wizards, and I went up against Josh McRoberts, who was another one of my future mm-hmm. teams. But I went against him and he was supposed to be a projected like top 10 pick. Bro. Okay, in the business. I worked him. Like I really <laughs> worked him. Like I remember that it was my very first NBA workout. I was like, bro, I'm about <laughs> to bust whoever's over on the other I, side. It don't matter. <laughs> but like, but it, it was enough to get people's attention. Yeah. And it was like, dang, like, this kid might be a an NBA player for real. Like, yeah. I didn't get drafted, but yeah. it, it was enough. get people's attention. So I went from six months before that, no one knew knew who I was to six months after that, I would say pretty much everybody knew who I was. And now I was on the radar. Once I got on the radar, I got some opportunities, summer leagues and stuff like that. Summer league turned into bam, like, but I had to go perform, right? it, It was, it, it was not about just opportunity it was about performance and I I had to outperform expectations.
2: So, yeah, no, for sure. So I guess as we keep kind of transitioning, you know, um, obviously, like I said, this show is titled beyond the game. Right. And we want to, you know, try to focus on, you know, things that, you know, guys have done maybe while they were playing to earn Mm -hmm. money, you know, away from the game or yep. what what transition how did they start to transition to think about life after their respective playing their respective sports because as we all know like we have an end date of playing that check not going to come in is that's not a streaming income that's going to last a lifetime right right and so unless, all gotta you all got to LeBron
0: or Steph or Michael. <laughs> yeah yeah, or Otani,
2: yeah. but everybody ain't like Otani's that, gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> they can't, they can't afford to pay everybody like that. They can't, right. they can't afford to do everybody like that. So, for, yep. for the majority of the league, it's like nah, like you go back, <laughs> you out here in the regular world, like you got to live a regular life, like everybody else, where you know those guys. Most of people think, for us in the NFL anyway, most people think when you make it to the NFL, you all become. Everybody's a millionaire and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, like, no, it it don't work like that. Like, we probably Uh, got you talking about you talking about thousandaires. I got a lot of thousandaires in the
0: locker room. A lot of thousandaires. (laughs) A
2: lot of thousandaires. A A whole lot of thousandaires. It's more thousandaire than it is millionaires. I can tell you that. Oh yeah. And
1: I,
0: Anthony, did you, tell you, did that. you have any foundational knowledge of money? Like what, what was it like growing up? So when you, when you got your shot in the D league, right? Cause that's, that's how you started in the NBA coming out of Creighton. eventually, right. It was to the D league. Yes. Straight to the D league. Yep. Did you know what, what was your, I guess, knowledge base financially? Cause we've talked to a lot of guys and Alec is one of those guys. He's like, you know, I got my signing bonus. He's like, I was like, where's the rest? I didn't even understand how taxes worked. I, yeah, what I'm always- at me and,
2: <laughs> I don't see what well, I don't know what this miscellaneous stuff is on this check. <laughs> 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 I owe the state what? Why do I owe them? What did you <laughs> got to pay taxes in every state I played? Like, <laughs> all this crazy stuff like that. So yeah, I was like, say it was coming out of college. I didn't have no no knowledge of it, but curious to know like where where did you stand on that? Yeah,
1: um, so. Uh, in college, I I got my degree in finance. Okay. So it was uh it was something that uh I about my second year in college because I went to Creighton actually pre med. Uh, I was I was going to be a doctor. That was going to mm. be that was going to be my long term play after I got done playing basketball. Whatever that looked like, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> um, I got a couple years in, and it was like, huh, I think that. I think this is, I have a, an opportunity here. I think I, I could go play basketball and make some really good money. uh. You know, um, really good money, right? Like, I, I wasn't sure before then, right? I don't know. I really wanted to be a doctor, but I was like, yeah. eh, If I'm really trying to pursue this basketball thing like I like I want to, I, I can't dedicate that much time to to studying. Like, let's just be real. Like, yeah. man, there, there's that time that you be in the gym. You've got to be on the books. Uh-huh. so I was like, all right, well, what, what's kind of the, the first thing I think about whenever, um, you know, when I think about playing in the NBA or playing overseas, it's like, well, you're going to be making good money. You got to know what to do with that money. You got to understand it. You got to understand it more. so I've always was good with math and with numbers. So I was like, I'll just, I'll, you know, get a degree in finance. And mm-hmm. it's funny looking back. There's a lot of people like, dang, you got a degree in finance. Like, that's hard. I'm like, yeah, but like it just was natural for me. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't anything like it wasn't a stretch. It was something I was like, I can do this for sure, and I did it. Four years, three point five GPA. Like I knocked it out. Yeah. And, um. So good. Not coming out of college and stuff like that. I definitely had a a foundational understanding of of what I needed to start doing, and, and really that that started with investing. Like I knew mm-hmm. that sitting mon- money just sitting in the bank is doing no good. It's going yeah. backwards. And so that, that concept by itself really changed the trajectory of, of, you know, what I was able to do over the following, you know, 17 years. It was, when I get money in, I got to get it to work because my money is, is, is little minions and little minions mm-hmm. will make more money. Mm-hmm. And if you are just sitting them in a the bank, they're doing nothing. They're not making more money. And so, um, that's where the learning curve started, started with just getting changed that mindset over to not like, not about stacking bread. It's about getting bread to work. <laughs> mm. And so um, where, where did so you yeah, start? Andy? How did you, how did you
2: think Passive about income?
0: You <laughs> see how did I start? Yeah. From an investment standpoint, I mean, were you traditional equities when you got started? Did you have an advisor who was helping guiding you in the early days of your career?
1: Uh, real estate started in real estate. Real estate was something that uh, I saw my mom doing at a very young age. We'd go across town and pick up the rent check every, you know, first week of every month and um, didn't really, like, understand it at that time. And as I got older, I was like, oh, that was passive income for her, right? Like, it it was something that she was able oh, to... Oh, so
2: just- your mom had a... They, they had a place already. They were renting it out to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, so it was her first house. Her and her... Okay.
1: Um, her previous husband, they had bought a house, yeah. and um, and so when we when she bought the house where, where I grew up at across town, it was a situation where obviously she could have sold the other house, but they mm-hmm. kept it and just rented it. And um, so, like I said, it, it was a seed that was planted at a very young age for me. Um, hey, that's what you do. Like you need to you need to own real estate. You need to own it so you can rent it out, make money, um, put some put some change in your pocket. And so that's the first thing I did. I got some bread from playing over in Germany, uh, and, and and everything else. My first year, bought a house, uh, bought an investment property. Still own it to this day. Probably will never mm-hmm. sell it. Um, and and just, hey, just started the journey. And I yeah. needed that. I needed that to to see. You know, hey, put my money to work. Now I say, like, hey, let me go do this again and again and again and again. And I was able to, you know, get that journey started. But yeah, and then started in some equities and stuff like that shortly thereafter, probably the, my second year um, is whenever I was finally getting enough money to to have kind of the excess where it was, I didn't have a specific place to put it. So I started to build a stock portfolio and, and kind of slowly um, do that. And, and as I got more exposure, I started doing other things. So obviously more real estate, but started to find in the source deals myself and uh that's that's whenever the fun really started
2: mm-hmm. so some of the guys we had on before you know kind of the the narrative that i've you know kind of had people say was that you don't have the time to go and do these things other than you know it's the off season or something like that but like to me, it sounds like what you saying that you, you know, when you got started, like you were already you were doing this while you were playing in season. Like, you know what? It took 20 minutes out of the day or whatever to just read up on this or or do this, you know, kind of stuff like that. Was that is that like you said, like a true statement that you do have time to, you know, invest into yourself and 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 learn these type of things and get involved with it, absolutely. Um, um, and still play at a high level, <laughs> at the highest level for a very long time. Um, yeah. I
1: the same concept I was talking about earlier with with basketball and with sports is, hey, I found the found time to make time for what was important, which was a goal, which was to get better, which was to understand and learn the game and and to perfect right to try mm-hmm. to perfect the game to try to perfect my shot. same thing in business same thing in real estate it was right? can i find 20 30 minutes to read up on or watch this video to to dive into this or whatever absolutely doesn't mm-hmm. mean i can't so go have fun so go hang out with my friends so go to dinner go do the, all that stuff can still be accomplished he's got to be Dedicated to what you're trying to accomplish, and so that's what I was, man. In my time in the hotel rooms and stuff like that, you know, we we you you know, we got a lot of time in the, to. And I say, i would about to say, to waste. Careful now, careful now. So why? So why? <laughs> why? Why? Why waste it? Like, don't waste it. Like, I mean, mean, hey, a lot of guys bring their video game systems, all stuff. Like, hey, that's all great, but don't tell me that you don't have time to. Learn a new skill. You can't tell me that. Just, there's no you way you tell can me tell that. me that. Like, you, you, you are an, you're an expert Madden player, but you have no idea how to handle finances. Zero. Not one clue. There's not one clue about your own money, but you are <laughs> an expert Madden player. Tell me whose priorities are straight, right? Like, come on, bro. Like, this is your bread. Like, this is it what don't you- don't make sense. You worked your entire life for this, so you're Madden being able to beat your homeboy at Madden is more important than you being able to understand your finances. That's crazy. Right? And it's, so
2: it's crazy to me. You have
1: time. You have time. You just have to make it has to be a, a more, it has to be important enough to you to make the time to, to get the job done. And so that's what I did from the very beginning, man, was just dive in, dive into real estate, dive into investing, start to understand it so that whenever my advisors had conversations they never had to dumb it down for me Mm -hmm. never Mm -hmm. i would ask questions every once in a while they say something like what does that mean like explain that to me because i want to know because whenever you talk to me about my finances i want to know exactly what's going on Mm -hmm. i want to know exactly where you're putting it how you're doing it how you make money right (laughs) like you every part all of it (laughs) all of it yeah no, no, Anthony that's... did you did
0: you have an advisor during the career into your career that you still work with today or a lot of guys it seems like they kind of had an experience good bad they they transition and and then ultimately found that guy
1: or gal who was their guy you know yeah so I, at the very beginning I worked with a small uh firm out of LA and um it was really just um uh, kind of like a mom and pop shop there's a, a husband and a wife uh uh, the wife kind of did all the, the bookkeeping and all the you know, bill pay and all the kind of like that type of stuff, relationship building. And then the dad or the, the, uh, the husband, he kind of did all the trading and all the, you know, the managing of the actual portfolio. Um, I started there because I didn't have, have any money. So all these other advisors, if I wasn't with a big agent, I wasn't bringing a bunch of money or, you know, huge expectations, then they didn't want to sign me up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so they're like, so these, these, uh, this, you know, uh, this small firm were just amazing. You know, for my first year and a half, I didn't, I didn't have enough money to really pay them, <laughs> but they worked for me anyway. And so I, I've been forever grateful for them. But as I've grown and as my portfolio grew, I actually just outgrew their, their abilities, right? Like they're, you know, they're smaller outfit and that's totally fine, but I still have a great relationship with them and, you know, basically considered them family. And I just, as I grew I just built a, a team um, of, of different advisors and, um, you know, ultimately settled on now I have a kind of like a, a quarterback or I say I'm the quarterback, but more like a GM, um, mm-hmm somebody who helps me strategize and, and, and do, you know, make sure I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and long-term planning and, and, and estate planning and all that type of stuff. So I brought in a, a firm that, that helps me with all that, but I, I'm the quarterback of my ship. Like I, I literally run my own, I make my own decisions. Ultimately, whenever Good there's CEO, best, right? Like, Hey, there's an investment. Like, thank you for your advice, advisor. Um, I'm doing it. <laughs> or or hey, you should do this. I'm like, I'm not feeling that. I'm not doing it. So it's like advisors are advisors. They're too advise not to make your choices. And that's what another thing I try to get guys to understand.
2: They'll give you the information young, you young take young players, and do what you <laughs> Listen,
1: like ultimately, if you don't have a clue, first of all, you need to get a clue. Second of all, when you get a clue, you need to make your own decisions. Like Mm -hmm. get to the point where you're comfortable making your own decision because it's Mm -hmm. your ship, right? Take advice. You know, that's what you get. That's what they're there for. Take advice. But ultimately if you feel good about something and you want to accomplish something, do it right. Like that's, it's your ship. You're the one who paid for, you're the one who earned the money. So Mm -hmm. do what you feel like you need to do. Um, you know, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my advice. Did you,
0: did you have a number in your head? We, we talked about this with a number of guys where a lot of their advisors were like, Hey, you know, get me to a number, 5 million, 10 million, get me to a number and I can build enough recurring revenue off that to live forever. Right. So a couple of guys have said, you know, Hey, I thought about, um, in my career very early on, I want to get to 5 million that are investable assets and somebody can kick eight to 10% off of that. And, you know, ostensibly, if if I don't get that next contract, or I get injured, or I leave the league, or whatever it may may be, I have that reoccurring revenue of, you know, let's call it at ten percent. You get five hundred grand a year. That arguably you never have to touch the principal. You're just living off that. Did you think about it that way? Was there a number in your head that you were shooting for to get invested and then a return off of that to create the lifestyle? Uh, that
1: that strategy I didn't really adopt until more recently. Um, because the way I constructed my portfolio is against the grain, way different than your typical advisor would advise way different than your typical, um, um, yeah, like stockbroker portfolio guy would, would advise my, my portfolio is actually built more like billionaires and I'm not a billionaire whatsoever, but like as far as the percentage of allocations and everything else, it's like private equity and private businesses. That's 70% of my portfolio, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to the opposite for, you know, most people who follow the, the typical structure. So, um, I've just always been a big believer in private business, private business, private equity. Um, you know, started like I've started probably 10 to 15 businesses in my career. Um, Walk Which us through one of those, business? Andy. Like what what well, does that look like? What does that look like? Like what, what are some of those businesses? Yeah. Or or how do you think about evaluating
0: those private businesses?
1: Yeah, so the evaluating those private businesses is the hard part, right? Like that's so to be able to do like a trackable, you know, net worth and all that type of stuff, like it's it's kind of impossible for me, to tell you the complete truth. So I have so many Different investments in different private businesses that aren't like, you know, not a lot of public information, not a lot of uh, information to like do valuations off of. Yeah, there's like, not, I've never had have. a number. Like, I don't, I don't care about private, I don't care about, sorry, I don't care about um, net worth. Like, I don't, that, that number does not mean anything to me. What means something to me is, hey, do I have money coming in that covers my expenses? And I do, right? So if I have money coming in that covers my expenses and I have the ability to exit, you know, periodically on private opportunities, then I'm good. Right. And so um, that's kind of how I've always built my portfolio. It has been focused on um, the last five years or so. It's been more focused on cash flow because I was always building. I was I was buying assets and, and getting assets, real estate assets um and stuff like that but it wasn't about cash flow at that point um these last five years getting closer to the end not getting paychecks every two weeks you know nba paychecks and stuff like that i was like dang i need to start building up this cash flow so that Mm -hmm. uh, you know my family's good so uh, i'm I'm, i've adopted that whole uh kind of concept of hey let's get a certain amount of money with the stock portfolio with my private uh you know, money that's, that's being uh, managed by somebody else. I've adopted that with my, with my wife's wishes. Like she's way more conservative than I am <laughs> um, with my wife's wishes and my advisor's wishes, of course, you know, they, they want more money under their control. Um, that's natural. That's natural. Uh, yeah. Right. But, but here's the deal. I'm cool with that because I've already already accomplished the things that I've wanted to accomplish. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, like I'm cool with now attacking the other, um, the other um, goals, right? Like uh, their goals and my wife's goals, because I've already done the things that I've wanted to do and set out to do. Um, So now I look at I'm about to have the best of both worlds because as I build that up over time, um, you know, I I have the portfolio that I can kind of sit back and see what happens over the next 10-15 years of exits and payouts mm-hmm. and all these different things that like how I wanted to construct it while I'm um, building that that piece up so yeah is
0: talk to me about cash flow so right now how do you target investment opportunities what are you chasing is there a percentage and um, I guess in your investment thesis around, hey, I need this to look at depending on where I am in the risk spectrum between eight and ten percent, ten and fifteen, you know, four to six. Like, how do you think about where investments fit in that that spectrum of of cash flow?
1: You know, uh, as far as like a percentage, um, I would say now. So I've been a what I call myself is a dabbler, right? Like, so when I get exposed to something and they're like, you know, maybe it's outsized returns or there's, you know, opportunity, like four to 6% doesn't even move the needle for me. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> like, it just doesn't. Like, it was not because it's, there's nothing wrong with four to 6%. It's just that, like, I get, like, that's my expectations for my stock portfolio, right? It's like four to 6%, like, that's kind of like, to me and like, I'm in a already doing that bucket, like <laughs> I, I can get that kind of without like thinking about it cuz like, that's what I can get from my but privately like things that I look at um you know hey if it's double digits okay cool like let's talk and then if it's higher double digits then let's really talk let's really dive in because what is this so I've just been able to throw darts at different things over the years of hey different like outside the box. I call it alternative investments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the highest performing thing in my portfolio over the past three years is something that my advisor told it said, I wouldn't advise to do this. I would not advise you to do this. I was what like, was oh, okay, it? cool. Thanks for your thanks for your advice, but I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and guess At what? At the end of the day, four years <laughs> later. It has outperformed my entire stock portfolio. is outperformed my real estate portfolio. It has outperformed every single other asset that I have. What is it, Anthony? Walk us walk us through what it is. So it's it's, uh, it's, it's currency trading. So um, I have a, a partner that uh, I met, friend of a friend, uh, grew up with a guy. You know, started doing forex trading. Kind of developed a system. Has an algorithm. And he's like, man, he's been doing really well. And he's like, these are these are what the type of percentages that he's been making. I'm like, bro, that sounds crazy. Right. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, maybe 5%, maybe 10% every quarter. Like, I'm like, okay. My friend put in, he saw a couple a of couple quarters go by and saw double digit returns on one of them. I said, let me go ahead and throw a couple of that. <laughs> 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 Let me go ahead and see. you at it? You, it. you right, know what? Right. <laughs> hey, i right. take this. Right, like, and here's the deal. I'm like the risk. Okay, when I first got in, I, I viewed it as risky, right? Like, it's like, oh, if these currency trading and they're making really high returns, what does everybody say? High risk, high reward, right? Everybody talks about that. So, what do I do? I'm not about to go throw two million dollars at it. I threw fifty k. Right. 50K hits and it, and it it meets expectation. Is it going to change my life? No. But it gives me an opportunity to get in and try it out. Well, for me, it took, you know, hey, first quarter, first quarter I went in is nine percent. I was like, bro, wow. that's three percent a month. Mm-hmm. I said, well, uh, you can get another 50K for that. Right. And so over time, I built that portfolio to over seven figures. Right between returns and me adding money to it, I'm like, "What the heck? Like, why would I go over here for four to six percent if I'm getting twenty plus percent over here?" Mm -hmm. So to me, it was a no brainer, and I just kept building. I'm still building that portfolio because it's performing. So, Mm -hmm. um, so those are the types of things where, but I, you know, I've tried a few other things that had, you know, didn't work as well, right? But even then, it's like, hey. If you find one or two of these types of things and all of a sudden, you know, that four to 6% does not look (laughs) very attractive anymore. You got stuff that's shelling off 20 plus, you know, uh, and you're not going to have 20 of those, but you don't need 20 of those. You just need a couple, maybe one or two, Um, you know, but I'll never go where all my portfolio is over there because that's just not how I roll, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it becomes a, a tool right, that it helps to offset whatever. Like I, I did a life insurance policy and it requires collateral. Well, I just use this investment tool to perform at a level. It's like, okay, well, conservatively, if it does 15%, well, it's still going to cover what I need to cover for this collateral for my life insurance. So mm. now that's, those are the games I start playing, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not, it's not about like, oh, well, I'm good. I've got covered. My bills are covered. Like, everything that I have coming in, my bills are covered. So outside of that, you know, how do I start leveraging what I have access to to make sure I'm building this portfolio? And that's that's what I've been doing. That's the game I play now.
0: Worst awesome, deal you've awesome. ever done, Anthony. We've talked to a lot of guys about this. Tell us the story, you know, it usually starts with what you just said. A friend of a friend told me yeah. that I should get involved.
1: Give us give us the story that you wish you had it back. Right. Um there's one, there's one that I'm currently still in that the story's still to be told and it's not a bad deal. It, I just went too heavy in it, right? Like mm-hmm. I just went, just cut too big of a check in it. And that's, but these things that I've learned over the past 17 years, it, all I look at it as is, man, what I know now for the next 20 years, I'm about to be a killer mm-hmm. in the investment game because I know what to do. Like I know more of what to do now. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I know like I have access to certain tools like that are getting outsized returns. I don't even view as risky anymore because it's been four straight years of unbelievable returns. So, Hey, I don't even view that as risky anymore. Right. So I have certain tools that are doing really well. I have certain like guidelines now that I follow that, Hey, even if it, if I invest in something that doesn't do as well, well, guess what? Like, I'm not going to be in a position to lose a bunch of money. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's all about overall, what does your portfolio do over time? As long as it continues to stack, then then you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But um, but yeah, the worst deal is one that I, it was actually not a friend of a friend. It was just a guy I met, had a good relationship with or a decent relationship with. Uh it happened to be in the year that I was making the most money that I'd, uh, ever made. And so I was really active investing and, uh, you know, he's, Oh man, I got this uh, trash business. I'm about to start. And, you know, I've been doing it for five years. I've been screwed over multiple times by these people, you know, that person, blah, blah, blah. I want to start my own thing. I got these contracts that I'm working on. Would love to have you partner. I was like, good kid. I was like, all right, cool. Let's do it. And, um, long story short, it's just expectations. His his um, personality, his you know intentions. I, I think were great. He just was a terrible businessman, right? Like just didn't know how to run a business. And so yeah, you know, I made an investment. And I put more money in. I put more money in. I will bail him out here, and then, and then to look up, I'm like. Three hundred plus thousand dollars later, it's like nothing to show for it, you know. And yeah. I'm like, dang, like, well, I mean, I learned from it, right? Like, I tried, I tried to get it. It ain't, getting... it
2: ain't like it ain't it ain't it wasn't like very detrimental to you either, though. No, it's I like... mean,
1: ultimately, bro, it like, didn't hurt nothing, but yeah, it just, at the end of the day, just had to you know, that. <laughs> Yeah, I, just, I did. Just had to write it off, right? And yeah. it sucked because I don't like losing money ever, but. The end of the day, you know, I tried, I tried to do the right thing. I thought that was the right thing. He's a good kid, young kid. I was like, man, this could literally change his entire life. Just that, man, whenever man, I I look at it like this, like he wasn't like he wasn't ready, right? God like God did not allow that situation to prosper (laughs) because it might have ruined his life. Whereas like I view it as it could have helped him it might've done the opposite. So that's something mm. you know, I'm a, I'm a believer, man. So like, you know, so I, I'm big, big on my faith. So in that situation, I don't even view that as like an L like, because I'm like, you know what? Like yeah, I lost money, but like at the end of the day, bro, like it, it's all under God's control. And since it didn't work out, that doesn't mean it wasn't his plan. It wasn't supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be because he, be. he had all the, had all the opportunities, he had all the money, he had the capital, he had the backing, he had the trucks. I bought trucks. Like I did everything, bro. It just didn't work out. It was meant to and be. I'm like, all right, but that's probably the, you know, the biggest L from a financial standpoint. Uh, but I've had a few. I was there a uh, takeaway? Also- was there
0: a takeaway? Just what you would have done differently on the mm-hmm. due diligence side up front to maybe minimize the risk that you
1: put yourself in? I would have probably brought in an outside party to. To help manage, uh, like and just paid for that person mm-hmm. uh, to manage because he he knew how to throw trash. He knew how to manage logistics on the trash side. He had, but he just didn't know how to do the business side. Yeah, and I, business, I, I didn't do, and also I didn't do enough due diligence on that. Right, um, I didn't like ask him enough questions to like really find out. You know how to run the business. I know you know it's how to completely throw- different. I know you know how to. Um, get trash up, right? Get, hey, hey, Ramirez, you need to go over there. You need to go over here. Like, log- logistically, he was on point. But, you know, on the back end, dealing with con- contracts, dealing with this, dealing with that, like, he just didn't have that, right? So that's on me, though. Like, I, I take extreme ownership on that. Like, it's, it's-, it's on me for not doing the due-, the due diligence and not doing the support work that needed to be done to have that happen. So, uh, What I, I found, doing... Anthony, too, though, is in, in your losses is, is
0: where you learn the most, right? That, yep. Because you're not going to make those same mistakes again, and it's an expensive loss, right? You throw $300,000 out the window, but um, yep. those are the opportunities that you take the most experience out of for, like yep. you said, the next 20 years. You're going to go out the next yep. 20 years. You're not going to make that mistake again. Nope, I'm not. I'm not. Yep, not at all.
2: No, most definitely. Now, we won't take up too much more of your time, but I did have a question too. uh kind of, uh, I guess kind of wanted you to talk a little bit about. Are you guys still? I've seen you, you uh, did, y'all was in that starting five thing, and uh, you, who was it you, Malcolm? Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot. There's a
1: bunch of guys. You talking about the water projects?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, is, is that, y'all go and build wells? Are y'all, is that still actively going? And, yeah.
1: Yeah. So we, we did the starting five whenever I was I was still active playing yeah. ball um, starting five. We did some initiatives with the teams and would have, uh, you know, hey every for every three pointer, you know, will you pledge a dollar or will you pledge five dollars for water wells in Africa and stuff like that? So um, we had a bunch of different initiatives like that. Now that I'm out, I actually joined that um, that organization Serve. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm the co-chair of the board now. Uh, okay, so, um, Very, very much so involved, something I champion a lot. Uh, me and my wife, we went over to Africa a couple summers ago and uh, saw one of the wells that we sponsored and um, really was a game changer for me and us.
2: To, it's called to, World, World Serve?
1: World Serve International. <clears throat> yeah, that's the name of the, the organization. Um, but yeah, man, we do water wells. Now we do Empowered Schools, so we... We provide tablets for for, for school, um, for classrooms. We build courts. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, it's a basketball court, but they use it for all kinds of different things. They use it for school assemblies. They use it for soccer. They use it for all these different things. Uh, do drip irrigation so they start growing their own food. Um, I mean, all a the, the bunch of really, really cool initiatives, but it all, it all really – is geared towards providing clean water, right? Clean water is the foundation. Um, and then for us, you know, beyond that is, you know, like I said, we're men and women of faith. And so we, we utilize that um, opportunity to tell people about why we do this yes. and, um, you know, or tell people about our why essentially. And so um, it's been a great opportunity, man. It's been a really fun initiative and it's something that I plan on doing. I don't, I don't see an end to it. I think it's something I'll be championing in and, and getting behind for the rest of my life. Mm. Awesome. Fills your that. soul,
0: Anthony. <laughs> Got to have something to fill your soul.
1: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> let's finish definitely. with this. I, I'm, I'm, I, I love to put this question to guests. So 21 year old Anthony, or maybe not 21, cause 21 year old Anthony seemed like he was pretty squared away. I, Man, 20 year old
2: Anthony was squared away. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he I already right. told you he was ahead of his years. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, maybe you should have told 21 year old Chris because 21
0: year old Chris wasn't squared away at all. So what <laughs> what would you tell me or or somebody listening to this podcast who potentially is you know coming up behind you, similar story to you or Alec, you know, coming into the league? What what are kind of the themes you wish you understood or you wish guys like me understood when I was 21 that would have made such an impact? you know, like you said, the next 17
1: years. Um, kind of what I said earlier, there's a few things. Um, one of the things I would say earlier was know what's going on with your finances, like understand, like start to learn and understand how this stuff works Mm -hmm. because ultimately you are in charge. So when they start, and I say they start stealing, I about to say they start stealing. When that happens, I don't, um, I, bl- I bl- of course you blame the people who steal, but also blame the people who get stolen from. And it's because you, it's hard to steal from somebody if they know what's going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like really, like. It'd be really hard for my advisors to like steal from me because, I, wait, where'd, this, where'd that money go? You know, like these guys are getting, I've heard stories of guys getting sold like seven to 70. There's seven. I've heard some seven stories. I've heard some se- $70 million. Gone. Things. Gone. And it's like, how does $70 million get stolen from you and you don't notice right so that's kind of like yo I, some people are like oh it's boring okay cool but it's your bread so if you if you can think it's boring but at least understand it to where like you can check your own stuff check your own accounts and see the activity know what's going on all right that's kind of number one number two is uh get life insurance mm-hmm. it's something that like i feel like every First of all, it's, it's way cheaper when you're younger, <laughs> a lot easier to get. As you get older, you have more complications. Um, but, like, there's too many guys that just ignore that, and it's such a huge tool for generational wealth. Mm-hmm. So something that I didn't really understand until I got older, and it's something I really feel really passionate about um, now, um, currently working on a deal with the MBPA trying to get life insurance for every player. Mm-hmm. Right now I am. So – I feel super passionate about that, and I feel like guys need to need to make sure that they take care of that. Um, another thing is is start investing into future cash flow. Maybe um, you don't really know when you're going to be done, right? So I would start now because by the time you're done, you could potentially. Maybe not replicate the NBA or the NFL paycheck, but probably get pretty close. Mm-hmm. If you have a long enough period of time to build cash flow, um, you're 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 going to do pretty well. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and having residual money come in is one of the best things ever. Nothing like it. Nothing like, it. <laughs> Nothing like <laughs> it's on time. Even to to this day, every time I get a check, bro, I'm like. Yes, <laughs> it's just smile a
2: little bit. It's just smile just a little bit. It's, it, it every
1: time, I, I don't care if it's. Uh, if I, I get. I did an investment with Grant Cardone. Uh, I don't know, maybe like five, six years ago, and it was just like a hundred thousand dollars into one of his funds. And every month, though, like clockwork, I get like six hundred dollars. And every time, I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Right. Now that's probably <laughs> like, one of the smallest checks I get, but every time I see it, every time I love it. Right. So, um, that would be, that would be, if I had a regret in my career, it'd probably be that. I didn't start investing in cash flow investments earlier. <clears throat> um, that'd be probably the only thing.
2: Definitely. So, definitely. Good no, wisdom. Man. Um, we appreciate your time, uh, coming on and, uh, Definitely, it was inspired and encouraged by your story and just your knowledge of everything. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to, you know, have more people like you on and and, and grow this even more. Like I said, so we, like I said, appreciate it again. Of course. I? No, I appreciate Thank you guys. Thanks for having me on. And, um, you know, hope somebody
1: listening in gets something out of it. Um, you know, hopefully get inspired in some way, shape or form to to act. That's what it's all about, man. It's just you listen to things. If they're listening to a podcast like this, at least that probably means that they're trying to gain some knowledge, right? True, trying to some gain, type of knowledge. Yeah. Spend some spend some time into you know their stuff. So to me, like that's already a step in the right direction. But man, you know, hopefully something I said you know, sparked something in, in in a person or two or a thousand. I don't know. Yeah, but you know, hopefully it, it can help inspire somebody to take take action and uh, take ownership. So I appreciate Most you.
2: Before if we go though, where where can we like if somebody wanted to get in contact with you, I guess it's Instagram, whatever, Twitter yeah. or X or LinkedIn, where can they find you? It's at still Twitter,
1: you. bro. you know you don't have to call it X. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't tell Elon love, man. Yeah. a
1: Tolliver forty four is uh my my Twitter slash X. It's also my Instagram and then Facebook is just Anthony Lamar Tolliver, just my name. Um, okay, that's kind of the spaces I, 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 I frequent the most. I have a LinkedIn as well, just under my name as well. Um, on the business side, I, I do a little bit more business posting on that side. I'm not as active on LinkedIn, but uh, definitely on Instagram a lot. But A Tolliver 44 is, is my my moniker.
2: A hey, Tolliver 44, y'all yeah, heard it. Thanks, Anthony. 442, good number. Of course, <laughs> appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Game. Please like, comment, and subscribe on all platforms. It really helps others find the show.
0: And a special shout out to Open Heart Media who helps with the production. Check them out at openheartmediaco.com.